It was great, man. It was fun. It was one of the best parties we've ever been to, man. It was just all love, you know what I mean? It was just, everything was just smooth and cool. That night, we felt like we turned the energy around. Like, everybody was in there. Everybody started to just relax. And, you know, you could see, you know, the players from the East Coast and the players from the West Coast, male and female, starting to talk and interact with each other. You know, we didn't take it serious enough. Um, the only way we could have took it more serious was by living in fear. And we were too fearless and too young to live in fear at that point in time. Police was making everybody clear. I was saying it was too crowded, over capacity. And uh, that's when we started leaving. A big car came, we all got in the car, and we followed Puff. And when we first got out and pulled out at the light, Puff caught the light, and we didn't. And we were stopped at that light. The next thing you know, this car pulled up and just started firing shots in the car. Didn't yell, didn't say nothing. Just pulled up and just we just heard shots. Now one emergency. What are you reporting? We're on Fairfax and Wilshire. We're man shot in our car right now. Once we got to the hospital, when we pulled up there, Big Stone ain't say a word. By that time, he was unconscious. You know, some of the other people jumped out the other truck. To, uh, to help get him out. When we left the party, Heavy D called me over to the car and he said, I think something happened to Biggie. I think you should go to the hospital. And so it was just, I immediately kind of started panicking. We got to see the Sinai and then the doctor came and it's like, oh, Miss Wallace, I'm sorry he didn't make it. And I remember just kind of going numb and I was in this room with all the guys and I just sat in the chair and stared at the floor and I didn't know what to do, you know, it was just, I didn't know what to do. I came in the room, somebody was like, yo, Big ain't make it. I was like, what? You know, this is somebody that like, you know, took me out of my neighborhood and raised me since I was a kid. I just had ran back outside and just started crying. It was just like, how one second can change your whole life. And the one second went from, as people to tell you, the greatest party ever to, you know, the worst tragedy imaginable. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have the crew once again. Of course, you know him well. He is the host and creator of the Raw Sex Podcast. Make sure y'all check that each and every Friday. Make sure you're following him as well on IG and also on Twitter. I'm talking about none other than Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Raw Sex Podcast, back in effect. Make sure y'all go check it out. Follow my man on social media. Support. Go ahead and get the support out there. My man's a great follow on social media. His takes and the things that he posts will have you cracking up all day long. But make sure you go follow my man and check the show out each and every Friday. As we always like to say on the show, support is free. So make sure y'all do that. 
And then, of course, with me as well, my other boy, J.O., in the place to be. Guys, thank you all for joining me. And thanks to all the fans out there stateside and worldwide for continuing to push the numbers up and continuing to spread the word about the show. Guys, we appreciate all that you're doing. And a reminder as well about a few things. One, the Vault Podcast Record Club, our private Facebook community on Facebook. Make sure you come check us out there to join us and talk about some old school hip-hop, R&B, and reggae. As well, the Buy Me a Coffee to support us monetarily by giving a small donation to make sure that we can continue to open the vault. Links for both of those are in your show notes. Make sure you check that out. Join the Vault Podcast Record Club, buy me a coffee, and support us monetarily. Let us know that y'all appreciate it so we can continue to open the vault. And of course, if you heard the first ad today, we're doing that podcast GPS course. Of course, any of you all out there that have ever thought about wanting to start a podcast, you have no idea where you want to go, how to start, and anything else, go ahead and click on the link also located in the show notes to sign up for a free consultation. It's a six-week course. I take you from beginning all the way up to the end, which is the start and the launch of your podcast and gives you all the tools you need in order to be successful. As we always say here in the vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And today, not doing an album review, but doing something probably just as important, if not more important. And it's to mark a day that obviously does live on in infamy. March 9th, 1997. Now, the date, March 9th, 1997, for any of you who follow hip-hop and follow music, should have a great bit of significance to it. And not for a good reason. But this year marks 25 years since the murder of Christopher Wallace, better known as Notorious B.I.G. or Biggie, Biggie Smalls, in Los Angeles. Uh, it's been 25 years, guys. It's crazy how time has passed that it seems that literally does really seem like it was yesterday when the news of this dropped. And I remember when it happened because it happened on a Sunday. And finding out the news about it, it was a crazy story in itself. And I'll tell that story about it when we get a little bit further on into the program. But 25 years since Biggie passed away, man. Really, we want to talk about you know, a seismic movement and seismic event that shaped the culture and really shook the industry up because this is a, a rapper and an artist that you see that was really at the top of the industry and was getting ready to release his second album, which was highly anticipated. So it was something that the majority of us, when we found out about it, literally hit us out of left field. And not to mention it was six months after the death of Tupac Shakur, who was shot in Las Vegas, and he actually was on life support for six days before he passed away. But the particulars about what happened, of course, with the murder of Biggie. Now, this happened as a result of him going to L.A. in February of 97 to promote his upcoming second studio album, which was Life After Death. And he was also there to film the music video for The First Signal, which is Hypnotize. On March 5th, he did give an interview with uh, The Dog House, which is on San Francisco's KYLD. He said that he had hired security because he feared for his safety while he was out there on West Co on the West Coast. Now, it's been noted that Biggie did have some apprehension about going out to Los Angeles in order to go for the Soul Train Awards and also to film the video. And, you know, from what I understand, Diddy kind of pushed him out there to sort of say they needed to promote the album. It was coming up. It was going to be something necessary they needed to do. So that's what needed to happen. So as they're out there and leading up to the dates of the Soul Train Music Awards on March 7th, 
he actually presented a uh, award to Tony Braxton at the 97 Soul Train Music Awards. While he was there, he actually was booed by some of the audience. And considering this was a few months after Tupac's death, you can understand. Uh, the following evening on March 8th, he and a bunch of the folks from the Bad Boy Entourage were there. and They went to that party, which was at the Peterson Automotive Museum in West Los Angeles. Now, a lot of people were at that party. It seems like everybody was at that party. I mean, not just we're talking about the Bad Boy Entourage, including Diddy and Lil C's and everyone who was with the Bad Boy. But also Faith, of course, was there as well. Aaliyah, Chris Tucker, Kadada Jones, the Wayne's Brothers, Genuine, Irv Gotti. Jewel, you know, Jermaine Dupree, The Brat, Missy, Timbaland, Kenny Burns, DJ Clue, Clark Kent, DJ Quick, Ed Lover, and lots of members, people noted there, were members of both the Bloods and the Crips. So um, it was a huge, huge event. And the party actually was shut down by the L.A. Fire Department because, one, the party was overcrowded and because it was lots and lots of smoking inside. And you could imagine <laughs> if there's a music industry party, especially back in that time, there was going to be lots of smoking. So they shut down the party right around 1230. Biggie left with his entourage and they had two Chevy Suburbans and they were about to go uh, to attend an after party at Steve Stout's house, which is actually in Hollywood Hills. Biggie traveled in the front in the first passenger seat in the first Suburban with his associates with D-Rock, his boy D-Rock, uh, Lil C's, uh, G-Money. And then Diddy was in the other vehicle with Eugene Deal, a.k.a. Gene Deal, who was a big bad boy security detail, Tone from the Trackmasters, Stevie J, and their driver, Kenny. And the two SUVs were trailed by another Chevy Blazer, which was carrying the bad boy's director of security, Paul Offord, and was driven, he was, uh, and was driven by an Inglewood off-duty police officer. So at about 12.45, the streets were crowded. People were leaving the museum. Biggie's SUV stopped at a red light at the corner of Wilshire and South Fairfax Avenue. And then two minutes later, a 94-96 Chevy Impala pulled up beside the Suburban. The driver was a black male, rolled down his window, and drew a 9mm and fired at the SUV. Four bullets hit Biggie. And Biggie's entourage then took him over to Cedar sinai Medical Center, and the doctors performed surgery on him, but he was pronounced dead early that morning at 1.15 Pacific Time. He was only 24 years old. Now, a lot of theories surrounding about what happened with Biggie's death. And there were a number of different either documentaries or theories that happened. The first one that we'll talk about, of course, was the uh, theory that was made by Chuck Phillips and Matt Late of the Los Angeles Times. that said that there was a key suspect in the murder was a member of the Southside Crips that was acting out of a personal financial motive rather than on the gang's behalf. So that was one theory. The second theory, which is one of the more popular ones that was out there, was one that was by, written by Randall Sullivan, who uh, in his book Labyrinth said that they compiled information about not only the murder of Biggie, but then also by Tupac, by information provided by a retired LAP detective, Russell Poole. Now, in that book, Sullivan said that Shook Knight, who was the founder and CEO of Death Row, that actually conspired with corrupt LAPD officers David Mack and Rafael Perez to kill Biggie to make both of the deaths seem like they're a result of this war, this rivalry, the AKA infamous East Coast, West Coast beef. So that was a book that stated that Matt, along with Amir Muhammad, who was considered at some point people to be the lead suspect in Biggie's murder, um, was based off of evidence based on, uh, by an informant at that time was called Psycho Mike. And also the resemblance of what people said of Amir Muhammad to somebody who was there close around the time, according to the investigation. 
Now, as a result of that, Nick Broomfield, who was a documentary filmmaker in England, released a documentary with Biggie and Tupac based on information from the book. Now, I saw the documentary myself at that time. The theory seemed quite plausible to me, and it did seem to me that the LAPD was was taking part in some sort of cover-up. So I thought that it seemed plausible. However, later on, as a result of that, because of the information in Labyrinth and because of Nick Broomfield's documentary, which was based on the evidence collected by Russell Poole, Biggie's mother, Valletta Wallace, then filed a $400 million wrongful death suit against the LAPD. Now, that suit was later on thrown out in court. Then there is the last theory, which is basically done by Greg Caden, who was a retired LAPD detective who was a part of a task force that opened up an investigation into the cold case and murder of Biggie. And that theory is basically that Biggie was shot by Wardell Pucci Faust. He was a Ma Paru gang member and associate of Suge Knight. He actually was died himself on July 24th after being shot while he was on a motorcycle in Compton. Caden believes he said that Knight hired Pucci via his girlfriend, Teresa Swan, to kill Biggie to avenge the death of Tupac, who at that time, Caden alleges, was killed under the orders of Sean Diddy Combs. So a lot of theories into Biggie's death. Um, none of them really have any credence to them whatsoever. I think the, the prevailing pro- theory by many people out there is that the debts of Biggie and also the debts of Tupac ended up being a lot simpler than a lot of people think they are. As, of course, most people know, very quickly will know that uh, uh, Dwayne Davis, also known as Keith D.D., um, was uh, said that in an interview about a couple of years ago that, indeed, the murder of Tupac was carried out by his nephew, Orlando Anderson, a.k.a. Baby Lane, and it was done in retaliation to the fight that happened in the casino just leading up before the Tupac's death. And there seems to be a little bit more credence towards a Ma Paru gang member actually shooting um, Biggie, but there actually hasn't been any concrete evidence to suggest either way. So a lot of theories out there. But there we are, fellas. 25 years since the death of Biggie, March 9th, 1997, a date that really none of us can really forget because it's been mentioned by so many different people in the industry since then. So I'm going to go to y'all and um, get y'all reactions. So I'll start actually with you, Jay. March 9th, 1997, how did you find out Biggie had passed away and he had died? And what was your reaction to the whole thing? And what was sort of things like around you and your friends and people that you knew when folks found out that Biggie died? Sure, man. Yeah, definitely remember that vividly. Like, I remember I just woke up and my aunt was at my at the house, whatever, like that. And um, she just said, she kind of said, like, real soft, like, somebody killed Biggie Smalls. I'm thinking, man, I ain't, I ain't here, right? Like, maybe she's getting a good, I mean, she's older. Maybe she doesn't really know rap like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm thinking she, she ain't really here, right? Then she said it again. I'm like, hold on, what you talking about? Then I rush to the kitchen, turn on the radio. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, usually, like, I mean, even just coming off a of pocket, I'm saying you hear, like, a bunch of songs, people talking about it or whatever. And sure enough, you know what I'm saying? They said late last night or, or the wee hours in the morning, rather, you know what I'm saying? He was murdered out in L.A. Mm-hmm. So I was just, like, taking aback. Like, we were just getting over, you know what I'm saying, with Pac and everything like that. So... It was just like what the fuck, like, yeah. like what's going on, like, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Then you start, you know what I'm saying? Man, those days, that before social media, we start calling our friends, and everything like that, like, yeah. It's like young, what the hell, like, yeah. Shit, like had a bad feeling because I remember the Jane, like, he was at the award show and got booed and everything like that. Yeah. He was like, "What's up, Cal?" I was like, "Oh shit, like, yeah." Even back then, I was thinking, man, that if that was me, I don't If I had to be out there, I'd have went out there, did that promotion, been on the first thing, smoking out of that Jane, exactly. like, right. I, you had no chances. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. Yeah. So then 
just the news setting in and then of course going to school and people talking about everything like that it was like it was just craziness yeah it was it was it was definitely shocking like you said that before social media thing like where you can't jump on facebook and couldn't jump on twitter to go do it it was like yo you were calling people on the phone and calling their house mm-hmm. phones nonetheless to be able to be like yo right. man did you hear about this you know so yeah yeah. yeah, it was before cell phones and texting, yeah. so yeah, you had yeah. to like... You had to pick up the phone and call somebody or go outside and knock on your friend's house outside and be like, right. yo, what's, yo, did you hear about this? So yeah. So Damo, what about you, man? Your reaction when you found out Biggie died and then what it was like around your group of friends and people when y'all was discussing, you know, the shock about when he was gone. Um, I remember being up, I saw it in the middle of the night. I was up on MTV, you know, MTV used to have that breaking news. Yeah. Like, oh, true, rapper true. Biggie Smalls, like, I was like, what? Yeah. I said, and the first thing I was like, what the hell are you doing on Cali? Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, a blind man knew that it wasn't safe for you to be. It's too early. Too, what, the, what the new saying? Too soon. Yeah. It's too soon to be out there right now, right now. whatever, after, you know, park down or whatever. Something like, first thing came to my mind was up, sure got him. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to my mind. But I remember just talking to friends, you know, Bama's, you know, we young, so we 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 like, man, this dad going East Coast, West Coast be crazy. They didn't mm. take two two Bama's up out of here and within within seconds for real it felt like. Yeah. Like yeah. like we just we just getting over this now. Biggie gone? Yeah. Six like, months. Yo, this young this young crazy. Six and months. And then, and then, then next thing you know, he got the album Life After Death coming. So it's like, yo, what in the world? Yeah. And you hear like skits on there, like, hold on, this don't sound. Yeah. I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. Like, hold on, hold on. This, did this man ever see this show? He yeah. have a dream about this show? Like, right. yo, what the hell? Yeah. 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 It was. It was wow, man. Like that discussion that you had with your friends, I felt like was was really critical um, for me. I knew that this happened. I remember because, like, when you got the news, March 9th was a, was a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember because I was getting up in the morning. Usually, like, when I get up and you about to go to church, like, I get up and, you know, turn on the radio when I'm starting to get ready. Usually, sometimes I would have it on 96.3 because they would have, like, you know, the gospel music on in the morning. I had that, you know, because I knew I was going to hear it in the car when I was on my way over to church. And so I'm getting ready for the church, and I'm like, man, let me go ahead. And for some reason... My radio was actually on 95.5 instead of 96.3 for whatever reason. I don't know why for some reason. I turned on my stereo. It's on 95. And the first voice that I hear when I turn on the radio was Tigger. You know what I'm saying? Tigger was on the radio at that time. Big Tigger. Yes, Big Tigger from Rap City to Basement. Who, BT fame, who at that time was a, was a disc jockey on DC radio. And Tigger said, you know, we're reacting to the news last night about the murder of Notorious B.I.G. out in Los Angeles early this morning. And when it, I heard it, I was so taken aback by it to your words, Jay, that I literally backed up to the point where I backed up and just had like sat down on my bed. I was just like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? He's gone? Like, what do you mean murder? So at that point, I'm scrambling. I'm like, what do you mean murder? So then... I was getting ready, and my mother came in was like, you ready? I'm just like, Ma, like, they said that somebody murdered Biggie. She was like, who? You know? I mean, it's just like the thing, like, you know, my parents not really into music and stuff. Like, my mother knew who Biggie was, but, like, they said they they murdered Biggie. They said he was shot out in Los Angeles. And she was just like, oh, wow. And then she was like, all right, you ready to go to church? And I was just like, you know? I'm like, church? Like, what am I going to church for? So 
I get up and we go and like literally the whole ride to church, the whole time I'm at church, the whole time on the way back to church, my mind is trying to figure out what in the world happened. Now, at this point, we didn't have the Internet in my house. Like my dad didn't really get the Internet in our house until later on that year. So I didn't couldn't jump on no website or anything. Literally, the only news source I had was watching MTV, watching BET, listening to the radio. And that's literally what I did the rest of that day. You want to talk about somebody being in shock. Like, for us, when Pac happened, it was like, okay, news is Pac got shot. He got shot while he was out in Vegas. But he was alive. And we knew that Pac was alive, and then it was news that, you know, they had to remove one of his lungs and, you know, all these different other things about the reports about his condition in the hospital. And then six days later, he died. And, you know, it was a blow without a shadow of a doubt because nobody kind of ever thought, like, you know, Pac had been shot before, but he came back from it. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, but it was kind of like the gap between the time when he got shot to when he died. I think folks kind of knew that it was a really good chance that he wasn't going to make it. So I think folks kind of prepared themselves to know, like, hey, if they're moving a Bama lung and he on life support, he's breathing through a machine, that there's no way that he's going to be able to make it. Like, I feel like Biggie, when he died... When you talk about some like out of nowhere, it came out of nowhere and like struck you like a bag of bricks. Like what? Like there wasn't anything. Oh, he died and he's on life support and he's, you know, struggling for his life. No, he's dead. Gone. Gone. And just just the, the, the like the reaction of people who called in on the radio that day. People were upset. Some people were really, really upset. And then you get to school the next day. And that's all everybody's talking about. That is a topic of conversation that everyone has. I mean, every class you go to, every, like you see different classmates throughout the day. Oh, this or whatever, man, what happened? Or people said this and that and everything else. And in the meanwhile, you know, you're kind of stuck with this. Damn, that's really it. Like, there's nothing else. Like, he's gone. There's no more music from Biggie other than what we got was about to come out. This is it. You know, he got two kids, you know, his former, you know, ex-wife and everything. Like, it's just really just hit you out of nowhere. And at this time, you know, 15 years old, hip-hop is a big part of your life. And it's just like, well, damn. And for me, Biggie was one of my favorite rappers. Uh, I was a fan of Tupac, too. But to me, I was like, if I had to be a bigger fan of one versus the other, I was definitely a bigger fan of Biggie than I was of Pac. Mm. And then that kind of hit me hard. And I was just like, wow. So then I know that the, the days afterwards, they're like showing, you know, the all, the all the Biggie videos and the old songs. And then, of course, there's the funeral. And the funeral, which many people saw, you know, the archive footage of it afterwards of, you know, them riding the hearse through Bed-Stuy one last time. And then somebody turning on Hypnotize. And, you know, it just really was really surreal to be able to see that this shit was actually happening, man. So... It, it was just wild. It was wild. Um, and now, even 25 years afterwards, the fact that we really don't have any, like, concrete evidence as far as who killed Biggie, but everybody kind of understands and feels that it was basically based on some street shit, and that was, like you said, way too soon, as you mentioned, Damo, way too soon for him to have been out in L.A. to do anything. And I understand having to promote the album and, you know, shoot a video and everything else like that. Like, I would have been in, in Cali maybe for a cool 48 hours, and then I would have been out as soon as I was done. But the fact that it happened at the after party at the museum, the fact that so many people from the industry literally saw this crime go down, you know, because it was like less than 50 yards away from where the where the exit was, where everybody was at the let out, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
If that, if I would have stayed there that long, because uh, Jay Prince did his little run when he was promoting his book, and he said that he contacted them. Biggie and Puff Daddy or whatever to tell them that hey the hit was out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he said he was trying to get to Cali before then, but you know, before mm-hmm. then it was too late. Yeah. So you know, somebody call you, tell you the hit out. Hey, what what you staying in town for? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Forty eight minutes, but that was me, man. Right. Forty forty eight minutes, exactly. To think that something like that is quick as as and, and it's like literally you're leaving an after party so it's like if it's any time really where you think where people are going to get you it's it's about as good a time to get anybody leaving an after party you know things like you've been you're probably sitting there drinking smoking and mm-hmm. stuff and y'all getting ready you to leave the, you, you, you left the no club party before. For me. you left the club before that's yeah. the perfect time to get got yeah exactly right. it should have been no party for me man fuck yeah, that exactly it's business yeah. Exactly. Facts. Facts. Exactly. Facts. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been out partying in L.A., man. Like no way. And and then to to think that he was left. He was put in the passenger seat. Now, I understand Biggie a big dude. So you know what I'm saying. You gotta pretty much put him in a seat where he gonna have a seat to himself. But to understand and know, like I don't know what, like who was running security at that time, but to have Biggie in the passenger seat to have him exposed like that, knowing that if somebody run up on the car, they're gonna run up on the on the passenger seat, it was the same thing like with Pac when Pac got shot. You know, Pac was in the passenger seat while Suge Knight was driving. So it's just like the, you try to think about like, yo, I mean, somebody maybe they could have put him in the back seat, maybe see if they could have got two guards to sit on the other either side of him. And like I said, I know Biggie was a big guy, but you know, just thinking about logistically all the things that happen. You know, like damn, what if they would have done something like this differently? But then I'm like, the whole back is that he shouldn't have been out there in the first place. He shouldn't have been. All these different theories, like I don't know if either one of y'all, uh, Damo or uh, Jay, have seen the Biggie and Tupac documentary by Nick Broomfield. But, you know, yeah. Russell Poole, who is the one who basically provided the theories that was in Labyrinth, Russell Poole actually passed away, I think when I say like now eight years ago, as a matter of a heart attack. That investigation took a toll on his life. It you know, basically ended his career with the LAPD, ended his career as a, as a, as a police officer, and um, as a result of that, man, you went through a lot of turmoil and trife based on the fact that the police officers in the police department was like, yo, we don't. This is like supposedly somebody left a diagram on his desk that led to a toilet and it was going to be flushed down the career saying that this is your career if you continue down this path. He actually passed Shoot away. My, on my birthday, too, it tripped me out. Yeah. But yeah, but, like he definitely like poured his all into that, like as far as like really... And I think it was more so because, like, the, it seemed like he had developed some type of rapport with, you know what I'm saying, Miss um, Valletta Wallace. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, of course, she was, like, just heartbroken. Like, her heart was gone. Like, so I think this made him work that much hard, like, you know what I'm saying, to try to figure all this out. But mm-hmm. he be all today, and there's still questions unanswered. Yeah. And, you know, they actually also made a, 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 a movie about this, about his investigation uh, starring yeah, Johnny. Uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, starring Johnny Depp called Body mm-hmm. of Lies. And, mm-hmm. you know. It, it just kind of makes you think, man, just like really the type of things that he went through. But now you look at like the investigation and it's like crazy, like how like the disinformation can get out there. Now, Russell Poole had this investigation. The investigation was based off of sort of like some speculation. I know that during the documentary, they talked to, you know, people like Kevin Hackey and talked to other folks, the guy Psycho Mike, a couple other folks like that that were out there. Uh, you know, there was the whole thing surrounded Amir Muhammad because there was a talk about a guy who was 
in a, you know, a bow tie and a suit mm. that resembled like, you know, a nation of Islam, uh, the uniform that they wear with the suit with the bow tie that was based around Amir Muhammad. People thinking that that was the person and that in the Nick Broomfield documentary, Gene Deal actually pointed out Amir Muhammad saying that's the guy. That's the guy right there. But it was proven that Amir Muhammad didn't have anything to do with Biggie's murder. So, so many different things that are out there. But really, the, the whole thing that sort of that spems from that is that, you know, it seems to be basically some street shit that wasn't handled. And it was literally too soon for Biggie had to been out there. And it was a, a, literally a case of wrong, wrong place, wrong time. And really unfortunate. Because of that, we were robbed of so many different other times. His kids were robbed of him not being there growing up. His mother was not was robbed of him not being able to live out his full potential. And, you know, uh, the music world was robbed of so much more music that we know. I mean, like, Biggie was still ascending at this time, you know? As we'll get into, we'll hear later on this month, we're going to be doing a review of Life After Death, which is Biggie's second album. He was still ascending at this time. I mean, I would even say at this point, like, Ready to Die was one thing, but Life After Death... Like, when you look about the two albums, you see the progression that he made as an MC. Like, he was definitely, I would say, while he was raw on Ready to Die, on Life After Death, he was definitely a lot more polished, you know? His storytelling went to another level. Like, so you see when people are starting to progress, when they make those jumps and those leaps and bounds, that you know that that progression is going to be something crazy. So both of y'all saw Body Alive? Like, Damo, did you see? You saw, you said yeah, you saw yeah, Body saw, Alive, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw Body Alive. I didn't know what it was at first when it started going... I didn't know that was the movie. I was just watching it, and I was like, mm-hmm. why does y'all sound like, this y'all seem, because this before, in the beginning, it starts with, some, with another killing. Yeah. That, that ends up getting looped around into that, where he has, I guess, the Lopez guy. Yeah. He has him, they have him interrogated, and then next thing you know, they go into that. I said, oh, this is Biggie, Joe. What the hell they put this movie out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, awesome. so I'm, you know, I'm into it. You know, of course, whenever, you know, it's one of them Jones, you got to get into it because, you know, it's our history. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, this show crazy. I was like, yeah, I wonder if this was, I said, I done seen a couple of docs. I said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, this must be, this must be the, uh, the detective guy that, yeah. I was like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. I said, it, it seemed like he had the jump. Yeah. Yeah, nah, it was... Um, it seemed like he had the joint put together, and then he died, so you can't really... Then, it, you know, it seemed like the evidence probably just got sp- spilled around. They got rid of that evidence. Yeah. <laughs> City, City of Lies actually was the name of the book. It was City of Lies, and it was restarred. Uh, Johnny Depp as Russell Poole, Forrest Whitaker as journalist Jack Johnson, mm-hmm. also starred Rockman, Rockman Dunbar and Neil Brown Jr., so that actually came out, I believe it was, they said in 2018 uh, in the Noir and Festival, and it was released in March 19th, actually two, a year ago um, in the United States. And there was actually, film was actually was actually uh, delayed in the U.S. due to some production problems and, you know, <laughs> things, you know, things sort of getting out there. And there were a few things that sort of had this film delayed and people were looking forward to seeing it. So... Yeah, I definitely have to check out City of Lies, um, even though I know that the theory itself is uh, one that has been largely unproven and definitely now at this point seems to be not not to be the case. But you do know that Russell Poole, if nothing else, was probably on the he was on to something, because if he wasn't on to something, then he wouldn't have been basically forced out of the LAPD and been like, you know, and basically ostracized from the department. He was on to something. We just don't know exactly how much he was actually on to that either related to Biggie's murder or related to a bigger conspiracy within the department and its alignment with the gang. So, yeah. Yeah, he didn't, I mean, he didn't, right. get, 
he didn't get to live to get to the full the full story of it. Like I think if you would have gave him about five more years, yeah, and that's. Like, you know, we say it's a heart attack, but hey, that could even add on even more to the conspiracy. You gotta take somebody out that got that much information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Nah. And, and True. Plus and it was all tied up like the whole rampart scandal too, as far as like, you know, crooked cops and this boy. Yeah. That rampart scandal, goodness gracious. That you shit want, crazy. You wanna talk about on the on the deepest levels of the LAPD and the corruption that was going on within the LAPD, mind you, not even five years after Rodney King, you know, and then all the stuff that happened with Daryl Gates and Daryl Gates being in charge of the LAPD and all this, it was like, yo, like seriously, like, it was a lot of stuff that was going on around that murder. And then the fact that you talked about that you had two cops that were actually being involved that closely with the Bloods and Pyrus, it was like, yo, <laughs> it was really some crazy stuff, man. But Biggie's murder really did have some reverberating effects around the industry. Um, we talked about, you know, the Biggie had the crown as being king of New York for such a long time. And he still is re- revered. Even as 25 years afterwards, the Biggie is still known in, as the king of New York. It did leave a void at the top of the game, and especially in the New York rap game, because when he was at the top of the food chain, it's like, okay, so then now what do we do? And that sort of left this spot this spot that was open for such a long time. So many different people decided that they wanted to try to take it. Now, obviously, we do know eventually somebody ascended to that throne. And, and you know, we all know who that guy is. But there were other, other people that had and pretty much made lay, laid a claim to that throne as well. Um, but it was sort of, I would say, it was a void that I say that, the, that New York never really recovered from and I don't even think rap even really recovered from it either because no disrespect to Jay and all the the accomplishments he's had in his careers and you know you know success and the fame he's gone big gotten bigger than any of us ever would have imagined but I think that 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 loss though was something that was so big within the New York hip-hop scene that they still out still don't even think they've even recovered from it really to tell you the truth and you know I think even 25 years afterwards they're still trying to sort of you know, adjust to that, the fact that he's no longer here, the fact that you think about, okay, if he was still alive, where would he be right now? So, I mean... Well, not just him. You have little Kim. Where would she be? Where yeah. would... Uh, the, I can't even... Mine just fired it. What, the Junior Mafia, C's. where, would they, where yeah. would they be? Where would they be? Yeah. Little C's, where, where would C's yeah. be on his solo career? Yeah. Where would the locks be? Even though, you know, the locks still ascended, but where would they be if they, they would have still had that tutelage right there? What if Mace left? Yeah. What if, what if Puffy would have got as big as he got? And, yeah. you know, some people say, you know, Puffy had more to do with it than anybody says because, you know, you yeah. know, the big conspiracy theory is, mm-hmm. you know, he sold his soul to the devil. So, you, you know, you got to You got to give up something to get something. And he gave up Biggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I mean, th- that's the other part of it as well was that, you know, these other people, these players that we talk about, would they have been as big as they would have been? You know, you talk about all the folks who basically bent in, whether it's, you know, for good or for bad, benefited from Biggie's death. I mean, you talk about Diddy. After Biggie died, Diddy became one of the biggest stars in the music industry. Now, I mean, was he really a truly artist? No, but I mean, big. But Diddy was huge. I mean, that album Puff Daddy and the Family No Way Out came out later on that year. They had huge. Uh, I'll be missing you. Won a Grammy. I mean, mm-hmm. he that he album rock rock the uh, the show. Yeah, the big show. He had Sting out there. Yeah, exactly. And so you know uh, the. 
the album was big. Um, you look at basically Jay. Jay basically who went and ascended to that throne. Like, he became such a huge rap star and then literally did it. I mean, to be quite honest, Biggie wasn't there. I mean, now, and this is not to take away anything from Jay. Again, Jay fans, not to take anything away from him. But you can't talk about the situation and talk about his ascent. And not say that how Biggie's death, you know, affects from it. Little Kim, I mean, we talk about you know Junior Mafia, what the, the what he was planning on doing with them and mentoring them and bringing their careers along. The fact that he was planning on putting out the commission, the rap group that he had, you know, that he was right. planning on putting out with him and Charlie Baltimore and other members of Junior Mafia, and the fact that him and Jay never really got to collaborate again, and how you know it's something I'll talk about when we do this review of Life After Death, but seeing how the chemistry that they had, like, why, you know, there could have been a possibility that they could have done a collaboration album together. Like, you know, so, so many questions to be left afterwards, you know, because after Biggie's death. And it's something that is really unfortunate because we have so many what ifs that are not just related to Biggie and what he could have done, but then the people that he was around and what their fates would have been had he still been around, you know? So, uh, that's pretty much all you can say. That's all you can say. I mean, a lot of folks definitely, they, they would all tell you they would rather have him here because it seems like, you know, the only one who really kind of prospered afterwards was Kim. You know, Kim really found a way to prosper after he died, but the rest of Junior Mafia, the rest of them kind of just, you know, they kind of just faded to obscurity for the most part. You know, C's, Lil Sean, and all, all the other, you know, the members of Junior Mafia kind of just faded to the background. And Kim sort of stepped up and sort of took, took her spot to, you know, be one of the best in the game and everybody else kind of faded to obscurity. And Diddy, you know, Diddy was his hip-hop uh, CEO and mogul, and then he became a mogul overall to the point where he's one of the, you know, wealthiest folks related to the hip-hop industry. And, you know, he's created a legacy for himself 25 years later that, you know, you think about where it all started, a lot of it started when he basically stepped to the forefront to be an artist because his, his label needed it. You know, he need, they needed him to be a star because without it, I mean, you, yeah, Mace had a big album and everything else, but his label needed a big star, and he was going to become that big star. 25 years later, I mean, it doesn't really even seem like, it doesn't really seem real, even now. It's like I'm listening to, to Biggie's music all the time now, and, you know, I, I see so many different things on Twitter. People make, you know, all these arguments and stuff about, you know, put matching people up with different people and everything I think is kind of like everyone sort of still even 25 years afterwards still recognizes his greatness and the fact that it was taken away from the world and from all the people that he loved is just um, something that we're still trying to come to terms with but we're going to have more on this though we're going to have a like I said a review of life after death and we're going to talk about that in depth and y'all can listen up to that of course man make sure y'all stay tuned for that but 25 years Biggie Smalls, Notorious Big, Christopher Wallace, man, rest in peace, as always, respect. So, you know, y'all make sure y'all go listen to some Biggie after this, man, and remember, of course, man, his greatness. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on the Red Circle. You can also visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there, check out the site. Leave a review, leave a voicemail as well. The mic in the bottom right-hand corner highlighted in blue. You can also visit our Buy Me A Coffee page, support the show monetarily. And you can also then go to our podcast GPS page. That's vaultclassicpod.com backslash podcast GPS. 
for our podcast course, we show you how to be able to create a podcast, how to plan, how to record, edit, and then have all the tools to keep your podcast consistent and have your recording schedule and all the planning, everything on point. Go ahead and check that out. Of course, the links are in the show notes for all three and also on vaultclassicpod.com. You can also reach us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on Instagram, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube, the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support, and if you have a friend, tell a friend, and make sure that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big, because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.